morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 6th of April, and my name is Helen Freer. So one of the biggest news items this week was OPEC Plus's announcement that they will cut output. And on today's show, I'm going to be talking about this with Carsten Menke, our head of Next Generation Research, and get his thoughts on what this means now for the oil markets. Also on today's show, I'm joined by Nicola Jordan, who will update us on our CIO's latest thoughts. But to start with, let's talk about some of the latest market news. And I'm joined, first of all, by Roman Canciani, our head of investment writing. Good morning, Roman. So what's been driving the markets over the last few hours? Well, good morning, Helen. Well, currently the uh, focus clearly is on the flurry of disappointing macro data, especially out of the US and, of course, central bankers' response to them. It all started on Tuesday already when markets got surprised by lower-than-expected job opening data, as well as disappointing factory and durable goods orders. And yesterday, the string of bad news continued with private payroll data showing that the creation of jobs has slowed in the US to levels not seen for years, and ISM services data also coming in lower than expected, in fact on a three-month low. This news stands in stark contrast to central bank speak, which remains hawkish, which means that there have been quite a few central bank speakers out there highlighting the need to further raise interest rates, took inflation under control, no matter at which price in terms of lower growth or financial stability, one gets the impression. And how did the markets digest all of this news? Unsurprisingly, there was a lot of action in fixed income markets, uh, where traders now don't see it as a given anymore that the Federal Reserve in the US will hike its policy rate again at the meeting in early May. Two-year US Treasury yields, a good proxy for the sentiment with regard to upcoming rate hike decisions, are down seven basis points this morning compared with yesterday, and 10-year Treasury yields have also fell further, trading at 3.29 this morning. Interestingly enough, the US dollar did not see that much of a reaction. One would believe that it would actually weaken on the outlook for fewer than expected rate hikes amid higher risks for a recession ahead, but it's actually been strengthening over the past hours versus its major peers. Maybe this is a sign of increasingly nervous investors buying the dollar for its safe havens features. But a recession is definitely no good for risk on asset classes like equities, right? So how did equity markets cope with the news? Well, sure. Markets seem to be torn between the expectations for falling interest rates, which is generally good for equities, and the increasing chances for a recession to kick in sometime over the coming month. So the S&P 500 was zigzagging a bit yesterday and finally closed down 0.2%, with defensive sectors like utilities, healthcare, energy and consumer staples all up on the day, while especially the tech sector, which has been one of the main drivers of the rally so far this year, was down about 1%. Gold, meanwhile, did not move that much and could hold on to recent gains. It is trading around 2,015 US dollars per ounce this morning, and Bitcoin is slightly down, but still above the 28,000 US dollar level when I checked a few minutes ago. And what about Asian markets? How have they reacted to the latest news? Well, Asian stocks have been falling over the past hours overall against the backdrop of weaker than expected economic data, although there was one data point in China which came in higher than expected. China's services activity accelerated in March, according to a private survey, which can be interpreted that the economic recovery there is still on track. Still, Japan, Hong Kong, as well as China onshore are all lower this morning. And how are European markets looking this morning? Well, 
one probably has to say that in general, all eyes are meanwhile already on the non-farm payrolls data to be published in the US tomorrow, Friday afternoon. Many believe that they could prove a pivotal set of data for further actions by central banks. Unfortunately, those data come in when many equity markets are actually shot for Easter holiday. That's probably why traders will be careful not taking on too much risk going into the Easter break. That said, we already had Germany industrial production for February in, in this morning, uh, actually surprising to the upside, coming in at 2% uh, plus month on month, expected was a small minus. Otherwise, at least data-wise, there's not too much volatility to be expected today. That's also reflected on the futures board in Europe, where major indices are likely not to move much in the morning. Well, actually, they've just moved into slightly positive territory now. That's it from me. Great. Very interesting. Thanks a lot, Roman. Now, Carsten, I mentioned it earlier. So the oil market was caught on the wrong foot earlier this week when Saudi Arabia and other OPEC plus countries announced that they would cut output by more than one million barrels a day as of next month. What were your initial thoughts when you saw these headlines? Well, good morning, Helen. Uh, my first thoughts, uh, this looks very much like a panic move. So the oil market showed clear signs of surplus during the past few weeks. U.S. oil inventories, for example, rose rapidly since the beginning of the year, and supplies seemed more than sufficient in other parts of the world as well, most notably Europe and China. Adding to that, worries of a recession had been on the rise lately, as we've heard, fueled by fears that the U.S. banking turmoil could spread into the broader economy. All this pushed oil below U.S. dollar seventy-five per barrel by mid-March. And what was the market reaction like then? Oil's up more than 6% this week, right? Yes, indeed. So the initial jump on Monday was actually more than 8%. But if we look at that, such a sharp move typically points at position squaring in the futures market, right? A rapid reversal in market sentiment. The mood in the oil market had become more and more bearish as of late. So short-term speculative traders placed more and more bets on a further fall in prices and those were the guys who were caught on the wrong foot by the OPEC plus decision. Hence, they rushed to square their positions, which led to this surge in prices on Monday morning. And what about the fundamental impact? I mean, does this output cut change our view on the oil market? No, it doesn't. Uh, see, the, while, while propping up prices in the short term, the cut confirms, it actually confirms our medium to longer term expectations of a more than sufficiently supplied market. Just take uh, the three core OPEC countries, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and Kuwait. So following the cut, these countries alone have now more than 3 million barrels per day of spare capacity. That's around 3% of global demand. And we think that these barrels will return to the market eventually. So put differently, the OPEC plus output cut is a clear admission of market weakness and does not come out of position of strength. So how do you see the oil market evolving from here? Well, I think if we talk about rising recession risk, it's clear that the cyclical outlook calls for rather subdued oil demand in the Western world as well as in China. And the structural backdrop of the energy transition, so most notably the shift to electric vehicles, will erode oil demand eventually. On the supply side, well, US oil production continues to grow and should reach a new record this year while the market has adjusted to Russia becoming or having become a Perea state. So the self-sanctioning, the embargo, the price cap, 
they have caused a momentous rerouting of Russian oil flows, but this oil has not disappeared from the market. Instead, the Russian oil trade has largely moved out of the West's sphere of influence, although it is likely to continue at scale, even with prices above the cap. So for us, we stick to our neutral view on oil uh, despite this cut, and we see the market heading towards a longer-term sustainable equilibrium, which we think is around $70 per barrel. That's all from my side. Great. Thank you very much, Carsten. You're welcome. And let's move on to you now, Nicola. So last week, you told us that the risk of a recession in the US has significantly increased lately. What are you thinking now? Has this view changed at all? Yeah, thank you, Helen, and good morning, everyone. Well, no, I would not say that the view has changed. The risk has definitely increased with everything that happened in March. I mean, the banking turmoil is inevitably leading to a further tightening of monetary conditions. But the problem is that even central banks do not know by how much it will tighten. For now, the equity market signals point to a resilient system, but once again, monetary policy action will be key going forward. In our view, central banks have to wait and see because neither the Fed nor the ECB can afford a credit crunch in a world where the financial system has reached the highest proportion relative to the real economy ever. Further destabilizing the financial system by blindly continuing to raise interest rates means moving on very thin ice for them. Having said that, we still think a recession in the US can be avoided if the right measures are taken. Now, we're into April already, which means we had the end of the first quarter last week. Looking back, is there anything that you wished you'd done differently in terms of asset allocation? Mm, well, of course, there's always something we could have anticipated better or a position in our portfolios that did not perform as well as we imagined. But if I'm completely honest, even if we had been able to predict the bank failures in the US, as well as the takeover of Credit Suisse, we probably would have drawn the wrong conclusions and would not have been able to position ourselves for significant quarter-to-date outperformance. Because I don't think we would have put our money in the large IT stocks, non-profitable growth stocks, or even crypto assets. And these are exactly the segments that returned the most per end of March. So in that sense, even if our often-cited crystal ball had worked, it would not have helped. So what conclusions would you draw then from the last three months? Well, first of all, even with all the recent turbulences in the market, our performance was very promising, both in absolute and in relative terms. Compared to our peers, we were able to maintain our position in the top quartile, outperforming some of our top competitors in the market. So the past three months have proved that a strict adherence to a well-structured, time-consistent investment process and a well-defined investment philosophy that is complemented by a robust risk management framework are the key to success. There will always be a lot of noise in the market, and in today's fast-moving world, markets will likely overreact to one side or the other. It is therefore crucial to keep calm and stick to your beliefs and long-term views. Of course, it is equally important to be able to adjust these views and your portfolio accordingly, but only if you see fundamental changes in the system and not because you read a catchy headline in the news. With that, I hand over back to you, Helen. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Nicola. 
So that's all for today. Thank you again to all of our speakers this morning and thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back again after the Easter break on Tuesday the 11th of April when I'll be joined by speakers including Menzel Pachinci, our Head of Technical Analysis. Have a great day everyone and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer, we would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Bear experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.